Running for president is not a ticket to criminal impunity. I'm Jessica Denson, and this is Lights On. I'll be the first to say it's taken far too long to get here, but we are here. The showers of state and federal indictments are about to become a flood as Trump's own handpicked judge just rejected his desperate bid to delay the Mar-a-Lago case beyond the 2024 election. Today, Judge Eileen Cannon, Cannon 2.0, set the classified docs trial for May 20th, 2024. In the words of Trump himself, Judge Cannon really loves this country. Maybe that's why she's starting to do the right thing. Frankly, there's so much love to go around for this country and the rule of law when it comes to Trump. Last night, Trump ran out the clock on his chance to respond to Jack Smith's January 6th target letter, and we are expecting new federal indictments to drop in, in that case at any moment. And this is the big one, the one that is absolutely essential to preserving our democracy. And Jack Smith has surprised us all with a possible charge that no one was talking about until now. We're going to dive into that for sure. And Smith is working until the final moment before indictment with more witnesses still coming before the grand jury in Washington. A bizarre scene played out in a DC courtroom this week where a Trump team defense attorney had a few too many clients to attend to and a defendant I know well actually from the 2016 Trump campaign was being convicted for his role in January 6. For the first time ever today, I will tell you about him. And on the Republican side, <laughs> there are not enough criminal lawyers to cover all of the people their leading presidential candidate has turned into criminals. But over here on pro-democracy side, thanks to their desperate platforming of fringe candidates, President Biden just got a ringing endorsement from the grandson of JFK. Jack Sloshberg is now comparing our truly underrated president to his grandfather and praising President Biden for, among many other things, kicking Trump out of office. In a fair fight, Biden's going to beat Trump by millions of votes once again, no doubt. But it's going to take all of us to make sure that Trump doesn't cheat his way back in. We can't take our eye off the ball for one second. And we really can't take our eye off the fascist GOP in any regard. Their incessant projection on everything from free speech to the weaponization of government requires our constant correction. And we'll do that today here on Lights On like we always do. History has so many lessons for us on the warning signs of fascism and its desperate bid for control. So we're going to shine a light on the ties today between fascism and misogyny, the sick and draconian push of this GOP to control women and the brave, brave women who are fighting back. You have to hear them in their own words. This is the 20th episode of Lights On. Can't believe it. Please help me in welcoming back Ben Micellis. Good to be here, Jessica. Great intro. Excited for the show today a lot to cover, including Judge Eileen Cannon setting this trial date in May. What does that mean? I want to know about the insurrectionist who you worked with, and I want to hear your experiences there, because that insurrectionist was uh, before a D.C. federal judge and some drama in the courtroom there. Also, this target letter that she talked about, Donald Trump, I don't think any of us expected that he was going to actually go before the grand jury, but uh, a statute that is being reported, the Section 241 of the Criminal Code is a new statute, but I know we're going to talk all about it, but uh, let's get into it. Yeah, I mean, I woke up this morning and was just so thrilled to hear that Judge Eileen Cannon, in fact, rejected Trump's bid. This will not be delayed beyond May, beyond 20, the 2024 election. She said it, of course, beyond what Jack Smith's prosecutors wanted with that early date in December, but definitely well before the election, May 20th, 2024. I mean, literally in the heat of the presidential campaign, this will be the tail end of the Republican primary is very likely that we will already know who the Republican candidate is at this point. And sorry, Donald Trump, you're going to have to deal with both of these things at, at once because it was your choice to try to get out of jail free with another pr presidential run. You're not getting out of jail free. What do you think about this, Ben, about the timing of all this? Well, I don't trust Judge Eileen Cannon with anything. So 
If the trial were to truly take place in May of 2024, just based on all of my experience practicing in federal courts, knowing some of the top criminal defense lawyers who have represented people on the most high-profile cases, from indictment in June to trial in May, less than a year, while I think that delay probably bothers us all, especially when there's something called a Speedy Trial Act. I'm just letting you know in a case involving one million documents, and that's how many documents have already been turned over by Jack Smith, that would be one of the quicker trial dates in a federal case that I've seen. It's certainly not quick enough, given all of the trauma that Donald Trump has caused all of us, and we all want him to be held accountable sooner. I just know that the Midas Mighty, the Legal AFers, the Luminaries come to me for the truth. So if May of 2024 were to take place, that to me is a date that I could deal with. The issue is going to be, is Judge Eileen Cannon going to grant continuances as that trial date approaches and basically say, all right, we're going to have to kick this to 2025. And Jessica, you know about delay tactics in general in cases. And, you know, you know that cases last many, many, you know, sometimes many, many years, regardless of if um, a party by the name of Trump is in the is in the case is a party, but, but a but a May trial date would be good. But just so all the luminaries uh, who are keeping track, right? There's going to be a as of now a civil trial by the New York Attorney General against Donald Trump, seeking at least two hundred and fifty million dollars. That's in October of 2023. Then in January, you've got another E. Jean Carroll defamation case, as well as a class action against Donald Trump for engaging in this fraud regarding this phone thing that he was trying to sell. But this class action is also in January of 2024. So two cases then. In March of 2024, you have the Manhattan District Attorney's criminal case. So slotting this in at And that, that likely sticks, right? The March 2024 date. Well, yeah, you know, I think that given the May date right now, mm -hmm. there really isn't a conflict. So Judge Eileen Cannon, by putting this in May, I think she was aware of all of those other trials and basically just slotted it in right after the March trial, figure, okay, that'll go probably through April, and then he goes right into May. So if this trial date sticks without even Fulton County District Attorney Fawny Willis having brought her uh, indictment yet, October, January, one trial, two trial, March, May, trial, 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 trial. Big, yep. big, big, big stuff. Unprecedented and late, but better late than never, as I always say. Um, you know, these things absolutely do take time. And I absolutely have lived the delay tactics of the Trump campaign and all their diversionary tactics. You know, when I was going back and um, and reading through the hearing notes from the hearing that preceded Judge Cannon's scheduling order today, I listened or read over the Trump campaign or Trump uh, attorney's efforts to to paint Trump as a victim once again. I mean, he's just under this barrage of so many, so many legal cases. He's so inundated and he's trying to run for president at the same time. He's such a busy guy with all this pressure on him. Well, he's such a friggin' busy guy because he's such a friggin' busy criminal. It's his own criminality that's brought this all on him. And it reminded me of when I was this woman that literally nobody knew of who had brought a lawsuit against the Trump campaign. And they were trying to claim that I had done them such great harm by speaking the truth and airing my, you know, human rights lawsuit. And they sent me this massive packet of arbitration material. I mean, it had to have been 300 to 400 pages, I, just total, you know, waste of, of paper, <laughs> killing the trees, um, of all the ways that I, they were aggrieved by me. Well, they were aggrieved by their own illegality. Donald Trump is aggrieved by his own criminality. Um, so it's too bad, too bad. It's a tight schedule, but that's what happens when you engage in a lot of crimes. Couldn't agree more with you. And then, of course, talking about this target letter, apparently it was sent to Trump on Sunday. I don't know why I'm obsessed with this fact, but I uh, repeat it over and over and over again that 
the last time Donald Trump was indicted by special counsel Jack Smith for the theft of the uh, documents that he kept at Mar-a-Lago, Jack Smith was seen leaving a subway with a subway sandwich. The, that was the first time we saw Jack Smith in Washington, D.C. The only other time we've seen him was right after sending that target letter in D.C., walking in D.C. with a subway sandwich. So when he takes out that subway sandwich, it things means- get real. Either that or he just likes a uh, subway sandwich. But he sent this target letter to Trump. He cited a number of statutes, criminal code violations, things that we would expect, like obstruction of an official proceeding. But then this lesser used statute from the Reconstruction Era, 18 U.S.C. Section 241, which is uh, about depriving citizens of the free exercise of constitutional rights like voting. Um, And that is a statute that we haven't seen really being discussed at all. Um, I, I think we'll ultimately see if Donald Trump is you know, charged with that statute, it carries with it up to 10 years in prison. But I also think we're going to see a lot of financial crimes that are going to be covered in the ultimate indictment for money laundering and wire fraud. And what will be interesting there is because Donald Trump continues to use these PACs Right. He claims to be a billionaire, but he needs to pay the lawyers with all of the PAC money. So he grifts all of this money, basically says it's for the campaign, essentially uses it for legal fees. I think there was even a report out of The Washington Post that even though it says it's a 90-10 split because some money may be being funneled through one of the other PACs, it may actually be even more of a 50-50 split with all of this money being used to pay for legal fees and the rest he's kind of just holding on to and not having the funds to actually do anything for uh I guess the campaign that he's running, although it seems all he's doing uh, is whining. But it'll be interesting to see how Jack Smith charges as they relate to financial crimes, whether there's almost like cease and desist or injunction, injunctive type relief prohibiting the use of these entities once they're charged. Um, with criminal conduct from further engaging in that behavior. So that's one of the things I'm interested in watching there. But Trump reacted about as you would expect. And one of his first go-to moves is to go speak to his MAGA buddies in the House of Representatives or cult followers. So he speaks with Kevin McCarthy yeah. and Elise Stefanik and all before of them. we move before we move on to that sec because I definitely want to talk about that but I want to get your thoughts on 18 USC 241 a little more Ben because I thought I thought that was so interesting um, this is conspiracy against right salty if we can put that text back up for a second um, it says what it says is if one or more persons conspire to injure harm injure oppress threaten or intimidate any person in any state territory Commonwealth uh, possession or district in the free exercise uh, or enjoyment of any right or privilege secured to him by the Constitution of laws of the US or because of his having so exercised the same dot 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 they shall be fined under this title and then there is a um, there is a reference to violence it says um, if um, they shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 10 years or both. And if death results from the acts committed in violation of this section, or if such acts include kidnapping or an attempt to kidnap, which we're not talking about that, dot, 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 um, they shall be uh, fined under this title or imprisoned for any term of years or for life or both, or may be sentenced to death. And I, I know that there's been a lot of discussion about this act, 18 U.S.C. 241, being maybe Jack Smith's alternative to bringing a charge under the Insurrection Act, kind of covering, um, you know, the deprivation of people's voting rights because their their vote for Joe Biden was basically being deprived of them when Donald Trump was trying to steal it, steal the election for himself. And that, of course, incurred violence when when Trump led his supporters to the Capitol on January 6th. Ben, do you think that 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 last part of that code could be could come into play here? And what do you I think, think about he's worried, yeah, the commentators, I think, have this one wrong. I think what they're worried about is the charge for obstruction of an official proceeding 
has been subject to a lot of appeals and has not yet gone to the Supreme Court. And to me, it's an easy call that uh, it applies. But there have been some Trump appointed judges who say obstruction of an official proceeding only applies if it deals directly with like the tampering with and shredding and destruction of records, which the statute for obstruction of official proceeding clearly says or and doesn't require one of the predicate acts to deal with paper. The D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals has rejected this interpretation by the Trump appointed judges. But see, I think that's why he's using the Section 241 in case that gets appealed all the way up to the United States Supreme Court. I think it's a backup to obstruction of official proceeding realizing that Trump would appeal that up to the Supreme Court. And given the composition of the Supreme Court with six radical right extremist Supreme Court judges, could they overturn that count? And that count carries with it a 20 year sentence and has been one of the most potent weapons that have been used um, against these horrific insurrectionists by the Department of Justice. So I think it's a backstop to that. My own personal theory, because it's a very similar sounding statute. Also, I think to your point, would it be an alternative to, you know, uh, other insurrection related crimes? It just seems to be a very clean statute. All of the elements are there and it doesn't have it's not open to a lot. So you of think people. it does. He does use that with the violence element that's I in think, that statute. I th absolutely. I mean, okay. absolutely. And I think it is a backstop as well to a seditious conspiracy count. Jack Smith has shown that he's aggressive, but appropriately aggressive. And where there's violence, Jack Smith is going to say there was violence. He's not going right. to mince words in, a, in an indictment. The question is, when is the indictment going to drop, though? And, um, you know, I, I think by the end of the summer, it'll drop. Yeah. Well, you were, you were starting to talk about Kevin McCarthy, of course, their, their uh, incessant defense of this man, their dis inability to separate themselves from him. And I think, uh, Ben, you were going to mention this deal that McCarthy denies being in existence while confirming the terms of such deal. And essentially, Donald Trump is out there demanding, demanding that his puppet speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, uh, endorse him now. And Kevin McCarthy, um, like the pathetic compromised non-leader that he is, um, is trying to figure out how to get himself out of this quagmire. So he's apparently struck this deal with Trump to um, hold an expungement vote, as sick and twisted as that is, an expungement vote in the House of the impeachments, the two impeachments of Donald Trump. And for context, for context, let's just play uh, back to back the clips of, of Kevin McCarthy's sentiment after the insurrection and Kevin McCarthy's sentiment yesterday. Last week's violent attack on the Capitol was undemocratic, un-American, and criminal. Violence is never a legitimate form of protest. The president bears responsibility for Wednesday's attack on Congress by mob rioters. There's no deal, but I've been very clear from long before when I voted against uh, impeachments that they could do it for purely political purposes. I support expungement, but there's no deal out there. And take uh, the source and you'll realize. Read it and what this about. So you, so you do support the expungement resolutions. You do want those to come to the floor? How long have you been covering Washington? A long time. Okay. I said it when I was in the minority. I said it earlier this year when, you asked, when somebody else asked me the question. What are we going to do about Kevin McCarthy, Ben? Get him well, out of I mean, the speakership. <laughs> well, I mean, look, that's up to the American people. I hope they're watching the antics of what's going on in the House of Representatives under Kevin McCarthy, where MAGA Republicans are more focused on, excuse my language here, showing dick pics of Hunter Biden than actually doing things for the American people. It is a travesty what we see. It, a disgrace. Yes. Is it really embarrassing? for MAGA Republicans and what's happened to the Republican Party? 
absolutely, but it's frankly humiliating to this country to have such idiotic individuals, such traitors, such completely unqualified individuals, such extreme individuals just doing really horrific and nasty and cruel and stupid stuff every single day in these committee hearings. On the flip side, you have Democrats calling them out. And I think actually being good messengers. And for all the people who go, Democrats need to be better messengers. Democrats suck at messaging. My own personal belief, this new crew of Democrats under the leadership of Hakeem Jeffries is actually very, very good messengers. But when Kevin McCarthy talks about expungement of an impeachment, that's like, that's just it's not, not even a, a thing, is it? Not a thing. There's no set. They could pass a resolution that says that they want to expunge that, but it doesn't then get expunged. It will be there. And then they'll have this resolution that they would like to have it expunged, but it's not like it gets removed from Donald Trump's record. So it's a made up thing. By the way, if he had the votes, he would have brought it to the floor already. He doesn't have the votes because I think a lot of these Republicans who have to be MAGA right now in this environment, but who are in areas where President Biden won, realized this is going to be used on ads against them that they were supporters of the insurrection. Remember, the impeachment that they want to expunge relates to Donald Trump's conduct on the insurrection. So of all of those members of Congress will be deemed pro-insurrectionist members of Congress, which frankly, their Damn. silence already makes them that, but their affirmative conduct makes a nice, easier ad. It's beautiful to see the position that this puts these people in, isn't it? I mean, this is the result of having a complete lack of moral character and backbone. This is what it puts you in, a very, very uh, rightfully difficult position. <laughs> you know, the interesting thing that we talk about a lot is that Kevin McCarthy did this presumably for power. Someone like Elise Stefanik is thirsty for power. But where they are right now, they don't have any power at all. They just do what Donald Trump tells them to do. If they actually wanted real power, it's the ultimate irony of this, they would have partnered with centrists, Democrats, and they would have achieved an agenda where they could actually do things. They could marginalize Donald Trump and remove him from the conversation. And then they could have actually had real power and there could be compromises and things that happen, but that would have been actually real power. Instead, you've got the Marjorie Taylor Greens on the one hand and the Lauren Boeberts on the other, the Matt Gateses and the James Comer, the worst of the Jim Jordans, the worst of the worst of the worst controlling the agenda. But ultimately, it's dicked by Trump, right? If Donald Trump yeah. told them, this is, this is, this is a, a silly example, but if Donald Trump basically told them every day, hey, you know, you, you got to wear that MAGA hat in the House of Representatives every single day or else I'm not going to support you. They'd all wear their MAGA hats every single day. Like they would do the most ridiculous things for, 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 for him because they already do it every single day. And again, you know, I, I referenced that, mar that hearing where Marjorie Taylor Greene showed the Hunter Biden dick pics and where these MAGA Republicans talked about you know, raised questions about the polio vaccine and what, what evidence supports it and other ridiculous conspiracies. You sit there and you watch it and you go like, like, who are these people? But the American people are taking notice, I feel. They are. I think I agree with you. The biggest silver lining of the Democrats losing the House is that they have this extraordinary um, just caucus that has really been calling out the hypocrisy, like I said, in the open on free speech. Uh, I, of course, live this firsthand, how how Donald Trump assaulted free speech rampantly during his his presidency. I mean, you want to talk about censorship. Donald Trump censored hundreds of people, if not thousands, through these illegal NDAs that I fought and beat. And you never had a single a single Republican calling out this North Korean style demand for allegiance to a president. Talk about censorship, saying you can't speak one critical word of a man or his entire hundreds of companies and family members for the rest of your life. 
or you'll be you know, subject to grievous financial penalty. Um, not a single Republican during Trump's presidency spoke out about that. Not a single Republican spoke out about his constant attacks on the fourth estate, branding the press as the enemy of the people. Far too few Republicans spoke out when he gassed protesters to cross Lafayette Park and show dominance. Um, you know, no Republicans condemned his weaponization, his real weaponization, not a, you know, concocted with fake whistleblowers weaponization, but real weaponization of the DOJ against his opponents, people who wanted to publish critical books of him. Um, his incessant efforts to silence, intimidate, censor, and um, and sometimes, in some cases, utterly destroy the lives of his critics. Number one assaulter of free speech, Donald Trump, and number one defender of assaulting our freedom and free speech is this Republican Party. And I agree with you also that the, those individuals who are not the Clown Caucus, their silence is complicity. They're more dangerous because they go out there pretending to be uh, normal pretending to be, you know, oh, we're just the normal Republicans. We're not going to get into that. Well, speak the hell up. People elected you to be a leader. Speak up. Call it out. Without it, you are part of it. You are the insurrectionist caucus, just like the rest of them. And you own every single thing that they have done and you don't speak out against. Jessica, you got to tell me about Frederico Klein, uh, yeah. this insurrectionist who worked at the State Department under Donald Trump. He was there on January 6th. He opted for a bench trial before Judge Trevor McFadden, a Trump-appointed judge. He was convicted at the bench trial, but Judge McFadden has a propensity for giving all of these insurrectionists very light sentences. That's why they go before Judge McFadden and try to seek a bench trial. There was a lot of drama that happened during this last hearing as well. We covered it in a hot take where uh, Frederico Klein's attorney, Stanley Woodward, who also happens to be representing basically every people. Donald Trump. He represents like every Donald Trump uh, employee and every Donald Trump kind of former aide because he gets paid through the pack. And he was in the grand jury room because a Trump administration former aide and current campaign staffer, William Russell, was testifying before the grand jury of special counsel Jack Smith is presenting evidence to about Trump's election interference. And purportedly, Woodward said he was staying outside in the hallway. He's not allowed in the grand jury room. It's grand jury secrecy because he was saying that there was questions about executive privilege that were being raised. But let's be clear that the uh, courts in D.C. and the D.C. circuit courts have continuously held executive privilege doesn't apply. There's like super precedent on top of super precedent where Donald Trump tried to assert executive privilege and the courts have consistently held absolutely no executive privilege at all. So I don't even know what uh, Stanley Woodward was saying, but then Woodward was late to this hearing with Frederico Klein and then Judge McFadden like yelled at Woodward and then had marshals go find uh, Thomas Widom, Windham, who works for special counsel Jack Smith and to, you know, to bring Jack Smith's lawyers into there and then yelled at Jack Smith's lawyers. Um, and this judge, Trevor McFadden, is 45 years old, Federalist Society guy appointed by Donald Trump and was just kind of being a, you know, just being a jerk and flexing on special counsel Jack Smith's team. So there was all of that drama really for no reason created by the Trump appointed judge. But it brought to mind that this Frederico Klein had a hearing after being recently convicted in a bench trial for his participation. Um, I'd love to hear your story about about knowing this guy. And I'd love to tell you for the first time right after this break for our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Lomi. What's better than growing fresh vegetables right in your own backyard with nutrients that came right out of your kitchen? Well, it's all possible thanks to Lomi. Now that I have a Lomi, it's changed the way I think about my food waste. Lomi transforms my garbage into gold at the push of a button. Lomi is a countertop electric composter that turns food scraps to dirt in under four hours. Now I love composting. Plus, it's make, made cooking at home even more fun. There's no food rotting in the garbage and smelling up the kitchen. Thanks to Lomi, I have much less trash to take out, and it's a hassle-free, mess-free experience. No leaking trash bags. 
And the best part is that my waste is being turned into nutrient-rich dirt that I can feed to my plants. That means it's not going to landfills and producing methane gas. I get to help the environment and make my life easier. And all my food scraps, plant clippings, and even unwanted leftovers go back into my garden, helping me grow more nutritious food right in my backyard. I learned that food waste makes up a huge portion of our personal carbon footprint. By reducing the amount of food I send to landfill, I'm helping to do my part for the planet. So whether you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just grow a beautiful garden, Lomi is perfect for you. Head to Lomi.com lights and use the promo code lights to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to Lomi.com lights and use the promo code lights at checkout. Thank you, Lomi, for sponsoring this episode. Turn your food waste into dirt with a press of a button with Lomi. Use the code LIGHTS to save $50 at Lomi.com slash lights. We've all heard the famous line, try it free for 30 days. Yeah, well, that's just enough time to try it and then completely forget about it. In fact, over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about. You could be wasting money and not even realizing it. Rocket Money helps you find those forgotten subscriptions so you can stop paying for ones you don't use. Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? Most Americans think they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions, but the actual total is closer to $200. If you don't know exactly how much you're spending every month, you need Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal financial app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscri subscriptions they forgot about, and chances are you're one of them. Like that Stars app, just to watch one show, or that free gaming trial you never actually used. Rocket Money will quickly and easily find your subscriptions for you, and for any you don't want to pay for anymore, just hit cancel, and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. It's that easy. Rocket Money also helps you manage all your finances in one place and automatically categorize your expenses, so you can easily track your budget in real time, and also get alerted if anything looks off. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 a year. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash lights on. That's rocketmoney.com slash lights on. Rocketmoney.com slash lights on. So as you mentioned, Ben, uh, Federico Klein, he happens to be the only Trump administration official who was present on January 6th and engaged in violence. He, of course, was charged for that and was just convicted in this bench verdict of eight felonies for joining that assault on police officers. There's video of him. You can see it up on the screen right now if you're watching on YouTube of him pressing up against the glass with one of those um, police shields, his face all scrunched up. I definitely don't recognize that right picture, but the left picture very much so. Um, and like you, Ben, I, I have really hadn't been tracking this trial, although I was very familiar with it from early on until I read that story about what happened in court. Um, but here's the deal with Federico Klein. He goes by Freddie. And I met Freddie on the 2016 Trump campaign when I was in the data, data department. This is where I was hired. And Freddie was hired probably just before me, kind of in a, a little tangential department in data. Um, and when I got promoted to lead the Hispanic engagement effort, I went into the work of trying to make a lot of things bilingual on the campaign. Of course, I had this delusional uh, uh, concept that we could be more uh, inclusive on the Trump campaign and, and um, have a, a wider tent. So I was trying to make things more accessible and bilingual. And <clears throat> as you might imagine, I was one of the few people on the Trump campaign that spoke Spanish that happened to be part of the reason I got the promotion in the first place. And um, Freddie was one of the other few people who spoke Spanish. So as I was starting this um, initiative to diversify the Trump campaign, I um, invited Freddie along with um, John Pence, who is a, a second language speaker of Spanish, and a couple others to be my, um, my kind of bilingual 
bilingual Twitter team. So they were like my bilingual social media team to put out uh, uh, tweets in Spanish on the official Trump uh, bilingual Twitter feed that I set up. And that's how I know Freddie Klein. I mean, it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting. I'm this guy hit on me. There are other um, other can't another one of my Spanish language Twitter team members um, engaged in kind of what I would describe as sexual harassment. And that's not even what my lawsuit is about. Um, it's about a sexual sexually motivated psychological terrorism from the man who hired me. But as a side note, um, you know, I was I was hit on by people like Freddie Klein and these other team members that I had in very aggressive ways that are not okay, um, just weren't the subject of my lawsuit in the Trump 2016 Trump campaign. So it was very ironic. Um, this is this is just to kind of describe Freddie Klein. He's kind of um, kind of like nerdy meets preppy. I would have never, never envisioned somebody like him um, showing up at January 6th. But this is what that Trump orbit does to you. It literally makes you lose your mind and um, and become crim a criminal. This is what Donald Trump has done to so many of his supporters. Um, and he did it to Freddie Klein. Well, look, Donald Trump is the biggest criminal. And somebody like a Frederico Klein, they feel that they're invincible, that they can do whatever they want. And frankly, under a Trump administration, they could. They, they got away with all of the things that they were doing. But now you have a Department of Justice that is focused on law and order. And it's the unprecedented thing is not that the Department of Justice is following the law to pursue criminal investigations of Trump and his uh, criminal co-conspirators. The unprecedented thing is that you have someone like Donald Trump who's a criminal, someone who disgraced the office, who's a criminal, and who not just surrounded himself with criminals, but was the leader of the criminal posse. I mean, that's that, that's the that's the issue here. It's not just like, oh, there's all these criminals around him. No, no, he's the number one criminal. And it is important that we just stick to objective facts. And you can look at the conduct of a lot of people who are associated with him, who have been convicted of crimes, who he then pardoned through a pardon office that was led by his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, who made over $600 million in the White House with his daughter, with Trump's daughter, Ivanka, and then left the White House and took $2 billion with a B, $2 billion from the Saudis. And we now see the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund host big golf tournaments, the live tournament at the various Trump properties, while Donald Trump from these properties during the live tournaments, as you have people who lost loved ones on 9-11 talking about how horrific it is, Donald Trump speaks with the press and spreads conspiracies about 9-11. Like, when he said that he could shoot somebody in Fifth Avenue and his supporters would still support him, let's be clear, like he's done worse than that. He's stolen classified information, which could have resulted in the deaths of, you know, lots and lots and lots of people. Um, he, you know, well, on lights on Ben, you know, we talk about, yeah. Yeah, we talk about how many people, how many deaths he's responsible for all the time. And, yeah. you know, of course, there's the whole COVID the debacle, which had he handled it like a leader and a president, so many lives would have been saved. I mean, he killed his own. What was his name? Herman Cain. He killed, just summoned him to his rally and killed him. That's just one, you know, well-known example. He killed so many people because of his uh, his tantrum over um, over shutting down the government with Nancy Pelosi. I've I've talked about how I believe the FAA's failure to update Boeing 747 Max caused that plane to to crash. He mm -hmm. caused the crash of another plane with the shoot down of the Ukrainian airliner. Um, in this in this spat he had with the Iranians where he killed Soleimani to try to distract from the first impeachment. I mean, he's responsible. You're right, Ben, for so many deaths. He has I mean, killed look, people. He, sure. look, we forget, like, it's like, I guess in Trump, the biggest scandal is, oh, Joe Biden is wearing sneakers with no socks. It's like, what in the world are you talking about? Like, I mean, people don't even talk about anymore that Donald Trump knew he had COVID 
knew that he tested positive for COVID and then did a debate because he wanted to infect Joe Biden with COVID. And then Trump almost killed a lot of people around him, like Chris Christie and others. Like at the height of the pandemic, here's someone who knew he had it and lied and said he didn't and then tried to kill his political opponent that way. You know, and, and that's just like, oh, just uh, just another thing that he's doing. But that's why shows like this and shows like the Midas Touch podcast and Legal AF and all of the other shows on this network need to like bring that focus back to just what's going on because people are tired of being gaslit and we need to turn the lights on. I want to get your take, though, on you saw those hearings this week, the one in the House Oversight um, Committee. What I can is, tolerate of it. I, I really can only tolerate these things in very small doses, Ben, to be honest with you. Well, that's why you got to watch my hot takes where <laughs> I go through them and then I show the contrast between the MAGA Republicans so, and, and the Democrats, right? So you have yeah. the House Oversight Committee where they bring in these fake whistleblowers and, and the Democratic members cross-examination, they're asking them questions like, okay, so to be clear, like your complaint is that the United States attorney for Delaware delayed the prosecution of Hunter Biden, was not issuing the warrants. Like you're aware, IRS agents who are these fake whistleblowers, you are aware that this all occurred while Trump was in office, like April 2020, Biden was not the president. So all of your complaints, you're saying Biden controlled the the Trump DOJ at that time. And you would see them go, oh, I, I, you got to you got to rephrase the question. Can, can you rephrase? Was President Biden the president in April 2020? Well, he was a candidate. But was he the president? No. You know, and the Democrats would cross-examine him that way. And it just shows you that with the MAGA Republicans, they just lie about everything. And they yeah. conflate facts and bring things together to spread the disinformation. But when these witnesses were cross-examined on, like, the timing of what you're complaining about, and are you aware that the United States attorney who you're complaining about was appointed by Trump? That the, that the United States attorney you're complaining about is a Republican, and then you and have has your, denied all allegations that his in, his investigation was interfered with at all. Here's the, the thing: Trump appointed prosecutor, and it's so nefarious because that Trump appointed prosecutor said he would like to testify. He just can't because a plea agreement with Hunter Biden is pending. So the case is still ongoing, so he can testify. Right. So rather than wait until he can testify, the MAGA Republicans don't want his voice in there. So they bring in right away, they bring in right away the fake whistleblowers who are talking about how Biden, not as the president campaigning, was somehow controlling the government through secret cabals. Like it gets, you know, it's like that. And then they have this weaponization hearing, which is, which is really the MAGA Republicans weaponizing government. And they call in RFK Jr., who's basically their chaos candidate to try to cause harm to Siphon the Democrats. off votes from Biden, of course. You yeah. know, the MAGA Republicans have amplified his dangerous conspiracies, his dangerous anti-vax stuff, his dangerous anti-Semitic stuff. Everywhere you go, Joe Rogan, he's on that show. He's on, they, they host town halls for this guy. He's like, I'm not to mention, Not to mention, not to mention they're exploiting the fact that this guy is clearly not well. Like RFK Jr. is clearly not well. Like this man needs help. This is what they do. They exploit people who are themselves, you know, dangerous, but vulnerable. I mean, they're exploiting someone who needs probably, you know, just some therapeutic help, <laughs> not, you don't platform somebody like this, but these, they have no qualms. That's what they do. And like you said, um, you know, they're, they're, they're constantly projecting um, the, the whole weaponization and censorship claims are a constant projection. And but what came out of this this platforming again a silver lining came out of the platforming of rfk jr you have the grandson of jfk jack schlossberg uh coming out with a ringing ringing endorsement of biden and a comparison like like we have not seen before that i think we should have more of to his grandfather jfk uh do we have that clip salty of of his endorsement hi i'm jack schlossberg and i have something to say President John F. Kennedy is my grandfather, and his legacy is important. It's about a lot more than Camelot and conspiracy theories. 
It's about public service and courage. It's about civil rights, the Cuban Missile Crisis, and landing a man on the moon. Joe Biden shares my grandfather's vision for America, that we do things not because they are easy, but because they are hard. And he is in the middle of becoming the greatest progressive president we've ever had. Under Biden, we've added 13 million jobs. Unemployment is at its lowest in 60 years. Biden passed the largest investment in infrastructure since the New Deal and the largest investment in green energy ever. He's appointed more federal judges than any president since my grandfather. He ended our longest war. He ended the COVID pandemic and he ended Donald Trump. Powerful. I love that powerful, last line. Powerful stuff. Yeah. And you look, you had RFK Jr. lie about everything. I never said anti-vax thing. I've never said anti-Semitic. And the Democratic members would just cross-examine him with his words. And he would like, well, what, 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 what are you doing? I never said that. It's like, okay, those were the things that you said like yesterday. <laughs> okay. This is like a long time ago. Like you said them yesterday, basically. And Democrats did a great job there. You also had a witness who works at Breitbart, who the MAGA Republicans called Emma Jo Morris. And she was the person who received a hard drive from Rudy Giuliani. And she was questioned by Congress member Dan Goldman, who said, you never actually received a laptop. Did you? No, no, I didn't see receive a laptop. What you actually did was you received a hard drive, right? Correct. Did you do a forensic analysis of that hard drive to determine if what was on it was accurate or tampered with? Well, I know we reviewed it. Did you do a forensic analysis? You know, and she'd be like, no, I didn't do a forensic analysis. Were you aware that Rudy Giuliani was speaking with Russian intelligence before he gave you that hard drive? Well, I guess <laughs> we don't know where that matters. Like, that's what the witness is like. That's where it's come to where they're taking things that are with Russian intelligence. They're yep. writing about it. I, I, I guess. Who cares if it comes from Russian intelligence? They've lost the plot that, well, they, they know the plot. The plot is their traitors right now. But when they can say something like that, like not think it's a big deal that they would get a hard drive with someone conspiring with Russian intelligence, trying to interfere with the election, that they would go, what, what, who cares? I just, I, just, I just wrote about it. I don't care about no forensic analysis. And by the way, that is why other outlets did not write about it. That's why there was a concern that Giuliani went to meet with Russian intelligence and then came back with a hard drive. And that's and that also why that's also why the administrations of both the Trump and Biden Biden administration had to be in touch with social media companies on this and other COVID misinformation, disinformation to suppress foreign antagonistic election interference and other misinformation to, you know, the health and welfare of our society. That's called disinformation correction, misinformation correction, not censorship. Right, Ben? Right. And Hunter Biden doesn't work for the government. Hunter Biden's a private citizen. At the time these purported pictures were taken was a very dark time in his life. And we all know people who have suffered with drug addiction, who have suffered with alcoholism, people who are in recovery. And yes. I hope that people treat people who go through that as compassionate as Biden, President Absolutely. Biden treated, treated so his son there. But for MAGA Republicans to just like mock it and to hold hearings where you got Marjorie Taylor Greene saying, oh, you want, you want to see his dick? You want to see it here? Here, here, here it is right there. What are you? It's like, no, get away from me. What in the world are you doing? And there's a reason why she wasn't on committees before, because she's out of control. And all of these MAGA Republicans are out of control. Showing pictures of a private citizen's dick in a committee. Could you believe I'm talking like that this is a thing that oh, is yeah. happening oh, as in you're our saying, As you're talking, I'm realizing this is the same party that thinks we're sexualizing children and wants to ban books about you know, that, that they claim are sexualizing children. They want to put on daytime hearings of our president's son who, like you said, dealt with a tragic situation that so many Americans can relate to of, of drug addiction and exploit that and put his nudes on public television in the middle of the day. You know, Hunter's lawyer, Abby Lowell from Winston and Strawn has been really aggressive lately, sent a letter 
uh, making a complaint with the ethics committee against Marjorie Taylor Greene and made it clear that they believe her conduct does not constitute legitimate legislative activity and that they're also going to take further action, which I read the subtext there as they're going to sue her and they're going to sue her clearly for the fact that she then took those nudes and in Georgia, she sent it in a newsletter um, to all of her constituents, didn't age gate it. So, you know, little girls, little boys are getting pictures of Hunter Biden naked, engaged in sex acts if they've somehow subscribed to her listserv as a constituent. But it also does remind me, and I want to remind all of the luminaries out there, you know, Midas Touch, we sued Marjorie Taylor Greene back in the day um, when she blocked us on Twitter. Um, and she ultimately settled she the did. case. She paid us $10,000 and we swiftly donated the $10,000 to uh, responsible gun ownership groups and gave her money, gave her money to them, which, which was great. But um, we filed that case against her and, uh, and, 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 and settlement very, very, very quick, very quick. Yeah. You know, you're talking about suing Hunter Biden's lawyer suing. And I heard this idea floated. I think it was by David Jolly. And I love it. I hope they do it. I hope that Hunter Biden's lawyers are serious, cons seriously considering suing Fox News um, for the d rampant and incessant slander of him on that network. And that could possibly, um, <clears throat> if you believe David Jolly, and I think it's a great idea, be a real something that really hits Fox News harder than anything. I mean, the case is so crystal clear. Um, I maybe, agree with you. you know, maybe, I agree with maybe you. if you won that, he could donate the proceeds to, you know, drug recovery efforts around the country. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Well, I think he could if he wants to donate a portion to it. But uh, yeah. his reputation, you know what? He deserves every penny that he would get in a lawsuit like that. He sure does. Because the amount, the amount of damages that they've caused him he admits, unlike MAGA Republicans, that he engaged in conduct that was wrong. That's why he's pleading guilty to certain tax-related crimes. He's also written a book, and he's explained about after his brother um, tragically died of brain cancer, who he was so close with, how that impacted him. He lost his mother. He lost his brother. He lost his sister. This is someone who's suffered so much tragedy and then losing his brother, who was his rock. He fell. He fell off. And that happens yeah. to people. I, you know, I get I you know, I get what he went through. It's, it's, it's horrific and horrible. And he was in a very dark place. And, you know, and, and, and wants to, and now he's in recovery and yet the MAGA Republicans do this. It just goes though, to show you also the cruelty, the evil, and there's yes, fascism, idiocracy, all of these things are tied, but these are cruel people who are freaking miserable with their own lives and they just want everyone else to be miserable but, you know, there's no outlets in the media that talk about compassion, that talk about intelligence, that talk about coming together. One of the things I loved about Obama's campaign is, yes, we can hope. It was a campaign of, of hope. And that message is so important. And that's why we that's why we talk about that here on the Midas Touch Network. Like we want to be pro-intelligence and pro-compassion and the luminary community that you've built, all of the people watching right now, all of the people who tune into the Midas Touch Network. I just always want to encourage people just to spread love every day and to spread positivity because one of the key things of fascism is to make you feel like you'll discouraged. never stop them. And then discouraged. you're discouraged. And then you're yep. like, I just, I can't do it's it. The devil's fine. only hope is discouragement. Without discouragement, he's got nothing. So never be discouraged. And 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 that, that adage can apply to MAGA as well, because that's how you see historically places where 20% or 30% of the population, because they're like, 
you know, the, they're fascist zombies, right? They're kamikaze fascists. They're so miserable. All they want to do is infect you with their miserableness. And at some point, the majority of the population, the true silent majority, MAGA ain't the silent majority. No, MAGA know. is a small portion of loud nutcases fascists. That's who they are. But where the silent majority can be silent sometimes is, I just, I can't deal with this guy. I can't mm -hmm. deal with it. I don't want to deal. No. No. Now the silent now is where we got to say we're not letting these yeah. people, we're not letting these MAGA crazy, evil, cruel people take over this great country. Yeah, that's a, And, you know, that's a perfect segue because the fascists would have you be silent. They would have you not recognize their repetition of history of our worst periods in history. And, you know, I was just um, I'm going to bring these these women that I teased in the open in pretty soon and let you hear from them on that 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 utter cruelty that you're talking about, Ben. But as I was kind of just looking up, doing a little research into fascism and misogyny, I tripped on this article from 2018 in The Guardian by an opinion writer named Jason Wilson. And it's really interesting. He discusses the kind of lead in to, to Nazi, to the, to, to World War II and um, the, the growing Nazi movement in Germany in the 30s and how um, how misogyny was really at the root of it. And I'm, I'm just going to read this this quote. He talks about a book written by um, somebody named Klaus Thiewelt in 1977 um, that was trying to understand the germination of fascism in interwar Germany and translated this book is called Male Fantasies. And um, Jason uh, Wilson writes, um, Thiewelt's expansive book shows us how misogyny is at the root of fascism. In the writings of, quote, soldier males, as he calls them, we see women sorted into two types, the white, sexless, patriotic sister on the one hand, and the sexualized, threatening, quote, red woman on the other. In the latter category, the young men put any women who they found discomforting, prostitutes, the sexually active, proletarian women, the communist women who fought them, and Jewish women. According to Thiewelt, the reasons they wanted to destroy these women were not just were not just or not simply political. The women were understood as a threatening other, and they embodied the men's fears. So I, I thought that was so interesting because it is exactly what they are trying to do by banning abortion in this country. They are acting on men's fears by trying to control women, and that is the root of fascism. And one of the many states where we're seeing this being played out in the most horrific and draconian way is Texas. And there are women in Texas fighting back. There's 15 of them who are plaintiffs in a lawsuit right now um, brought with the Center for Reproductive Rights. And in a very rare um, public hearing of that trial this week, they went on the stand, these women went on the stand and testified to just how deadly and sick these anti-abortion laws that, that are paraded as pro-life when they are really pro-death, or paraded as saving children's lives when they're really killing babies and mothers and especially targeting um, people of color who die, have a much higher um mortality rate in, during pregnancy. It is such a sick attack on, on the autonomy of women to, to just live and make choices as they need to for their own well-being. Um, and I want to highlight these women that are fighting back in Texas because we need to see what these fascists are doing. We need to be alert to this constantly and, and fight back with everything that we have. Let's play that clip. I would have had to watch Twin A, Isla, um, deteriorate more and more every ultrasound. Um, sorry. I would have had to give birth to an identical version of my daughter without a skull and without a brain. And I would have had to hold her until she died. She told me that I didn't have any options because there was a law that the, the Texas abortion law prohibited it. I, I wasn't able to get one. So 
I, I felt like I was abandoned. The third woman that testified that day, a woman by the name of Samantha Cassiano gave birth to a baby that died four hours later. This is what the state of Texas and many other red states in this country are doing to women. It is so sick. What we can never forget, and this is part of the dehumanization process that fascist movements in here, the thing that MAGA tries to create is that we're talking about people, right? We're talking about women. We're talking about human beings. And we're talking about MAGA Republicans who all talk about cancel culture, who are out there canceling people. That's what real cancel culture is, where they use the government to dehumanize people, to control people, to take away their bodily autonomy, to take away their freedoms, to take away their equality. And it is just so critical for each of us to spread the truth, to spread objective facts. And that's why we say there's, as of this recording, about 470 days or so until the general election. So it's a perfect time right now, the most perfect time. The mo Actually, the more perfect time was yesterday. The <laughs> perfect time also is today. Because even if you're sharing this show and this network with just one or two people, and you're calling one or two people, friends, family, coworkers, colleagues, whoever, telling them to register to vote, sharing with them the truth. A lot of people don't watch the news. A lot of people, yes. they turn on the They're news disengaged. quickly and they hear, oh, here are liberals, here are conservatives. It's all normal. It's just politics. I don't like politics. No, 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 no. It's really important. If you're watching this show, if you're listening to this on audio, it already shows that you care. It really shows that you know these issues are important. So the best thing you can do, and we know you do it, which is why I love this luminary community and the Midas Mighty, educate people, let people know, share the videos, share the Midas Touch Network, register voters, make sure voters are registered, make sure they're voting for democracy. I'll give you the last word, Jessica. Yeah, just talk Just talk to people. I, I've, I've talked about this before. I engage with people all the time and it is, it's shocking and, and tragic how many people are disengaged and you just, you know, just share the news of the day. And so often I find out that somebody has no idea what's going on and how can we fight the, these fascist forces if we're not informed? It starts with being informed and engaged. So absolutely, um, definitely help us out by subscribing to Lights On wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to, um, in, in addition to Midas Touch, if you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, Jessica Denson, you'll always see when we have a new show out. And, um, and if you want to support my fight, which is ongoing, we went through that long list of upcoming trials dates for Donald Trump. Well, the Trump campaign has a fight that I have not walked away from from 2017. I've been winning, but we need your help to keep it going. And you can support that at thejessicadenson.com slash donate, thejessicadenson.com slash donate. I thank you so much as always for any support that you can give. Uh, ben, thanks for joining me again here on Lights On. And uh, let's, let's wish our luminaries a wonderful weekend. Shout out to the Midas Mighty. <laughs>